Good morning. Welcome to worship here at First Church of New Knoxville on this first Sunday of Advent in 2018. We're so glad you could be here with us, and we also want to extend a welcome to those who are listening in on the radio. Uh, there are several announcements uh, I want to highlight for you, uh, and there's others I'm sure in your bulletin that are worth taking a time to look at. Uh, First of all, I do want to thank all those who stayed after church last Sunday to help decorate our sanctuary and the ministry center uh, for the Advent season. It definitely looks beautiful and feel a little bit more Christmassy up here as we as we look forward to celebrating the coming of Christ at Christmas. Today is, as I mentioned, the first Sunday of Advent, uh, and over the next four Sundays, including today, we're going to be preparing the way for Christ to come, uh, looking at at the events surrounding his birth 2,000 years ago, as well as looking forward to his return as well. Today we will serve communion, being the first Sunday of Advent, and it will be served in the pews today uh, at the close of our service. Communion is welcome, is open to all believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, and we invite you to participate in that with us this morning. There are a couple things I want to highlight uh, over in the Heritage Room. First of all, as the poinsettias, uh, as we, for our retirement home members, they are in the Heritage Room today. Uh, they are marked with tags uh, for who to deliver them to. If you're able and willing to take one of those and deliver them to our nursing home residents, I'm sure they would appreciate seeing a smiling face and, and uh, the flowers will cheer them up during this Christmas season. If you do decide to take one of those and deliver them, please mark it on the table um, that it was taken because we want to make sure that they end up in the right place and everyone gets one that needs one. Uh, also in the Heritage Room is our giving tree. We've been doing that each of the last few years. Uh, the Christmas tree has tags on it for ornaments, and those tags are, include items that uh, will be donated to the Pregnancy Center in Sydney. Um, they are uh, always in need of new supplies and things to help out those who are in need. And so, again, if you are able and willing to give a little extra this time of year, there are, definitely is a need in that area. And so we invite you to go or take some of those tags uh, purchase the items, and then you can actually return them here, uh, place them under the tree if you'd like, or drop them off in the office during the week, and those items will be delivered to the Pregnancy Center in Sydney. Uh, tomorrow night is the Sunday School Department Christmas Party. If you are a part of that, uh, we want to remind you to be here, and it's down in the social room this year. Also, next Sunday, the 9th, we're happy to be hosting Sharon Cheney's annual concert for her piano students. And if, and that is an open invite to all to come and enjoy Christmas music. Uh, it starts at 3 p.m. in the afternoon next Sunday. Uh, as I mentioned, there are other announcements in your bulletin. If you're able to take a look at those, this would be a good time to do that. Uh, and, and look forward to the coming week and this Christmas season. For our call to worship this morning, I want to invite forward Mike and Stacy Top and their family to light the first Advent candle. Today is the beginning of Advent. It's the time we prepare to celebrate Christ's birth. We are here because God's promises to our ancestors came true when Jesus was born. God continues to keep his promise through the presence of the Holy Spirit. God will keep the promise to come again in glory. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the coming of this light, there is hope. 
Because of Christ, we not only have hope for this life, but also for life eternal. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Let's pray. O oh God, we thank you that Jesus brought hope into our world. You still bring hope to people through the promises of your word. Help us to be ready to welcome Jesus Christ so that we may think good thoughts and do good deeds, so that we may be people of hope in our world. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And now, if you're able, I invite you to stand and sing with us number 125, Joy to the World. At this time, we invite the children to come forward to the children's chat with Miss Maria. And as they're coming forward, take a moment to greet your neighbor. Good morning. 
How are you guys today? Good. So, what starts today? Advent. All right, what do we know about Advent? What do you know about Advent? Yes. Ooh, it's the preparation of Jesus' birth. Good job. What else do we know about Advent? We lit a candle today, didn't we? What do we call this? What did we call this this morning? Do we call this an Advent wreath? Yep, and every Sunday, every Sunday, we're going to light another candle. How many candles are up here? Five, if we count the center one, there is five, yes. And each one of these candles stand for something. Do you remember? What did the Tinnerman's tops, tin tops, there we go. What did they read about this morning? What, what was their big word? Should we ask Allison? What was your big word? Hope. Hope. This week's word is hope because we have hope because Jesus is going to be born. Okay, so we said there are four candles on our Advent wreath, right? How many of you ever heard of an Advent calendar? What does an Advent calendar do? You open up a box or something every day, and there's sometimes things inside. Sometimes it's a treat. Sometimes it's something that helps complete the nativity scene. Yes. No way. Every flap has chocolate in it. Awesome. It goes all the way. You get one piece of chocolate every day until Christmas? I think you better share with your brothers. <laughs> and daddy <laughs> well today i have something a little bit different and i showed you guys this last year but yeah so it's it's an advent chain okay and every day you remove a link from the bottom of it and it has a bible verse on it okay and so the Bible verse starts to tell us all about the story of when Jesus was born. Okay? And then you can put, you can hang it up someplace at your house. Okay? But you have homework. You see, I did not make one for everybody. Okay? You all can take one of these home. And you need a scissors. And you need a stapler. Okay, and then you you can put it together and put it someplace, and then you can share it with your family every day as you read the scripture verse. Okay, and so this is what can help us remember about Jesus's birth all during the Advent season. And so I have these; they're stapled together on the front pew over here. And when we're done praying, you can each stop by and get one. But I think one a family would be good because I made some extra ones for people in the congregation that might want to pick one up too. So they're on the front pew up there. Okay? All right. So let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for Advent season as we prepare our hearts for Jesus' birth. Please be with us. 
Keep us healthy. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Killed in the last week in Afghanistan, in Ander, in Helmand Province, Sergeant First Class Eric Michael Emmond, 39, from Brush Prairie, Washington. In Ghazni Province, Captain Andrew Patrick Ross, 30, 29, from Lexington, Virginia. In Ghazni Province, Staff Sergeant Dylan J. Eichen, 25, from Hookstown, Pennsylvania. In Helmand Province, Sergeant Levar, I'm sorry, Sergeant Leandro A. S. Jasso, 25, from Leavenworth, Washington. And at Aviano Air Force Base in Italy, Airman First Class Owen Little. 21, from Yuba City, California. In Virginia, Fire Control Seaman Apprentice David A. Suskin, 29, from Hackensack, New Jersey. In Montana, Staff Sergeant Anthony James Dean, 25, from Caldwell, Idaho. In Bahrain, Vice Admiral Scott Sterney, 58, from Chicago, Illinois. Also, retired Lieutenant Junior Grade George Herbert Walker Bush, 94, from Houston, Texas. Thank you, Jay. As we prepare our hearts for prayer, let's stand, if you're able, and sing number 124, our prayer this morning, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus.
seated. Do join me in prayer. Father, we are grateful, grateful that you are a God who hears our prayers. And that does not turn a blind eye to uh, the difficulties and the sufferings that we face. And Lord, that is uh, all the more real for us during the Advent season as we reflect on the coming of your son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Lord, we are we have been lost in sin. Creation has been groaning. Our world is broken. And and you did not leave us to our own devices, but you have sent your Savior into this world to redeem us, to make us new, and to heal your broken world. And so, Lord, as we reflect on what that means for us today and the weeks to come, Lord, help us to find our hope in you. Find our our everlasting hope, Lord, in, in the promises that you've made us in your word as we reflect on the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, and as we reflect on what it means to wait in anticipation for him to come again. And so, Lord, we, we do, with that hope in mind, we do come to you with, with grief and with uh, burdens, Lord, that we lay at your feet. Uh, we do this morning pray, uh, Lord, as we do so often for those who have lost their lives uh, and for their families for comfort and peace. Uh, we pray especially this day for the family of uh, former President uh, George H.W. Bush. We pray for... Uh, we thank you for his life and for his leadership uh, that he, he had on display for our country. And we do pray for comfort for his family at this time. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the hope of eternal life, uh, that in his, even in his last days, he had the hope that uh, he would be with you and for, be with you forever. So we, we thank you for, for that hope eternal that rests not only for him, but for all of us who find hope in you. Lord, we also lift up those uh, who are represented with our our, um, our prayers and concerns list in our bulletin. We pray that you would heal those who are in need of it. Lord, we pray for provision for those who are in need of it. And Lord, we also recognize that that, that list is, is by far, uh, far from complete. There are other burdens that we carry with us, things that, that no one else knows about. Uh, that we carry with us each and every day. Uh, and so I, I, I ask now for your grace to be with us in those situations also. Those that are carrying burdens with them this morning, Lord, I pray that you would, by your spirit, give them faith to, to lay them at the foot of your cross and, and take up your yoke, which you promise is easy um, and your burden is light. We thank you, Lord, for the rest that we find in you. And I pray that, especially during this busy time of year with the holidays and, and all that, that call that comes with it, help us to find the rest that you promise in your Son. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time, as the choir sings, Come Messiah.
Good morning. Please be seated. Our first scripture reading today comes from Luke 21, verses 25 through 36. There will be signs in the sun, moons, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Our second reading comes from Jeremiah 33, verses 14 through 16. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days, and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior, the word of the Lord. Thanks, Sam. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much again for this opportunity to uh, share your word and to, to worship you together uh, with the body of Christ here in this place. I pray now as we turn to your word and And what you have in store for us this day, I pray you give me words to speak and that you'd open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. Today is, as we've talked about already, the first day of Advent. And so we are going to be taking a look at, um, at what that means for us over the next few weeks. Our sermon series is, is entitled Prepare the Way, and I, I chose that title because Advent, in a sense, is a time of preparation, a time of reflecting on the coming of Christ some 2,000 years ago in the form of an infant. Uh, when Christ came, he, there was promises fulfilled, there was hope, joy, peace, love, all those things that we represent with the Advent wreath um, came into the world at that time. Uh, and, and, and there's another side of Advent, too, that I want us to reflect on as well. Not only do we look back to what, what, Christ, uh, what, what it meant for Christ to come 2,000 years ago, but we also look forward to Christ returning and what that means for us today. In a sense, we live between the times, don't we? We live between two Advents. We live between the first Advent of Christ's birth, and, and we, we live before his second advent, his second coming. And so we live in that tension. We live in the already but not yet kingdom. We've experienced that we can see God's kingdom breaking through, especially at the moment of Christ's birth. Uh, but we also realize that it's not here in its entirety. 
Just look around the world today and we can see that everything is not as it should be. Am I right? We look around and realize there is still brokenness. There is still sin and the consequences of sin that we experience each and every day. And so while we see hope and joy and love and peace in the coming of Christ 2,000 years ago, we also look forward to the day when it will be experienced in its entirety when he returns and establishes his kingdom in this world. See, we, we call this time of year Advent, uh, which is a, a word for arrival. It's a time of preparation, as I said, a time of anticipation even. I remember as a kid just being so excited for Christmas and probably not for the right reasons, right? So excited to, to see what presents were going to be under the tree. You know, I couldn't wait for Christmas morning to, to come down those steps and see the presents that were there. And, and obviously that was a very selfish motivation, right? I just wanted to know what I was going to get. I wasn't too concerned about everyone else. I just wanted my presents and to be able to open them and begin to, to play with the toys or whatnot. But, I want to say that that sense of anticipation is a good thing, but it just it needs to be redirected, right? Redirected towards the anticipation of what Christ is doing in this world, uh, what he has done and what he has accomplished and what he is still yet to do. Uh, Advent is a time of anticipation, a time of looking forward to what is to come. And so our responsibility, I believe, then, is to prepare the way, to prepare the way for Christ to to make home in our own hearts, in our own families, in our own lives, uh, and also prepare the way for Christ to make an impact in this world. Our example that we will be looking at over the next few weeks is, is a man named John the Baptist, uh, someone that we don't always associate with, uh, with Christmas necessarily, but, but John's story is tied right into the story of Christ's birth and his coming and in the preparation of Christ's ministry. See, John was actually Jesus' cousin, and, and when he was born, uh, he, he, he was set apart, he was set aside for, for the ministry of preparing the way for the Lord. Uh, and so, so John grew to be this preacher, this person who would spend time in the wilderness and proclaiming the kingdom of God. And we're going to be looking at, at that ministry over the next couple of weeks, and it was all done in preparation for Christ's ministry, for Christ to come and, 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 and teach and to preach and to share the good news and ultimately that led to his death and his resurrection. Uh, you see, Christmas finds its meaning and finds its purpose in Easter. Christmas finds its meaning in the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ, the Son of God who gave himself for us. And so we need to have that same mindset as well. Uh, a lot of times at Advent and Christmas time, we like to just think of Jesus as he was 2,000 years ago on the night he was born, right? We like to think of Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger uh, because that's a very nice and innocent and easy thing to think about, right? Uh, a small little baby, that's, that's nothing to uh, get worked up about. Or, or there's no, um, uh, it's easy to keep that image of Jesus in a box, But we also have to remember that that child grew and became the person we read about in the Gospels who spoke the truth, who set people free, who healed people, and who ultimately died and rose again. And so as we, as we think about Christ coming this time of year, we, we reflect on, on, on his coming 2,000 years ago and look forward to uh, reflect on his ministry in the world, uh, through his life, his death, and his resurrection, and we look forward to his coming again. 
And so over the next few weeks, another thing I want to just touch base on before we just jump into this passage is we're going to be looking at um, each week, looking at John the Baptist, but also some Old Testament prophecies that uh, that point forward to the coming of Christ. You just heard Sam read from Jeremiah chapter 33 uh, that talked about that branch of David who would come. Uh, that Messiah who would come and, and, and fulfill the good promises that God had made his people. Uh, the Old Testament is full of passages that point forward to the coming of Christ. Again, not just at his birth, but also in the, in the coming kingdom. And so it's important for us to just maybe take a moment and think about what prophecy is and, and, and maybe try to remove some of the stigma that may be around that. Uh, the New Testament speaks of prophecy in this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, verse 3. As always, if you have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, I encourage you to do so or use one of the pew Bibles that's with you. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. Paul here is speaking of the church and, and the gifts of the Spirit being active in the church. And he says this about prophecy. He says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. You see, we often think of prophecy simply about predicting the future, right? A prophet can predict events or God reveals events that are going to happen and the prophet's job is to communicate those things. But at, a, at its core, that may be a part of prophecy at times, but prophecy is simply speaking a message from God to his people. And the purpose there, as you can see, is to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. Not create a timeline or not try to predict when and how things are going to happen, but the purpose is to strengthen, to to encourage and to comfort God's people here and today. And it's, it's meant to equip the church for the mission that it already has. And so for, for centuries, God's people uh, looked forward to the coming of Christ and there were prophecies that were, were given to, to point people in that direction. And then in the New Testament, there's, there's indication of Christ's return and prophecies looking forward to the one, when he will come and establish his kingdom. And as we'll see today, in the passage in Luke that Sam read for you, speaks of those times. But we'll see that the purpose and the whole point of talking about these things is not to look forward to a future time necessarily, but to encourage us and strengthen us to live for Christ now and today. And so as we, as we reflect on Advent in the past and the Advent to come, uh, the whole purpose is to encourage us now, to strengthen our faith now and to, to live lives that are pleasing and holy to God in this place that he has, pl- that he has put us. And that will be our focus for the next several weeks. So today we're going to look at uh, what it means to have hope in a broken world. This passage from Luke, you can see, it describes a time uh, when things were and will be not so easy. The, 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 the sin and the effects of sin running rampant in the world. Uh, and, and another part of, of prophecy that we have to realize, too, is that there was also kind of an immediate fulfillment, an immediate purpose for the words, but also that future sense. We see that throughout the Old Testament, and we see it in, in this passage as well. Jesus here in Luke 21 is, is speaking to events that are, are, are soon to happen from their perspective, including the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple that were, was to happen in 70 A.D., uh, but it also applies and has meaning for us today as we look forward to Christ's return at the end of history. And looking at this passage, we can see that we do live in a broken world, but God is ultimately in control. There was a point in human history not too long ago, relatively speaking, where uh, people, including theologians, had a very um, optimistic and positive <coughs> excuse me, view of history. 
in the late 19th century and early 20th century, a lot of theologians looked and said, look at, look at the world we're living in. Things are getting better all the time with the advent of new technology and the Industrial Revolution and, and all of the things that were happening in the world at the time. It looked like things were moving in a positive direction. Um, and then World War I happened, right? And that really shattered their expectations and it made them kind of rethink um, what their expectations were. And even, even the war to end all wars didn't necessarily dissuade them from thinking about how the world was moving in a positive direction. But over the course of the last century, as, as you don't need me to necessarily highlight, uh, we've seen this world ravaged by wars, um, including a second world war, uh, Korea, Vietnam, the Cold War, uh, the two Iraq wars. Like there, that, and that's just speaking from an American perspective. There's been other wars and other conflicts all around this world that have just scarred uh, this this world and and our populations over the last hundred years. And so and so we look when we went from a very positive outlook, like the world was getting better and we got this all figured out to realizing that the world really is a broken place and it really is affected by sin in very tragic and very real ways. And we continue to experience that today. And, and if, if we only focus on that, it can be very discouraging may seem like the world is out of control and there is no hope and there's nothing that we can do about it. The world is, is affected by sin and the consequences of sin. And in this passage from Luke 21, verse 33, Jesus acknowledges that. He says, heaven and earth will pass away. But he goes on to say, my words will never pass away. And in that one verse, there's this hope that's there, that, that though the world may be falling apart and though, though it seems like things are just just collapsing around us. The hope is not in this world necessarily, but it's in the promises of God and the promises of God for this world because he is ultimately in control. We may ask ourselves, where is God? Why does he allow these things to happen? How is God working in a world that seems to be so affected by things like war and sin and corruption? Well, we just had... Uh, Mike, I believe, was the one that read from Galatians chapter four, describing uh, this perfect timing of God in his own in his plan for this world. It's Galatians chapter four, verses four through seven. Paul writes that when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his son's. God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You see, it's, it says that, that at just the right time, when the fullness of time had come. In other words, God didn't leave us to our own devices. God has not abandoned us in this world. But God has a plan and a purpose. And that includes the birth of his son, into this world to redeem us and to set us free. And there's other passages we can look to as well, like 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. In this passage, Peter reminds us that we need to be patient as we await God's work in this world. He says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, and said he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In passages like this and others that we could point to this morning if we had the time, 
we could see that God is not forgotten about us. God is not slow in keeping his promises. He's not changing his mind about his goal and his purposes for this world, including its redemption. But he is patient. And why is he patient? So that people have the time to turn their lives to him. So people can see the goodness of God and the person of Jesus Christ and and the hope that we can have in him and, and put their trust in him. And the proof that we have that God cares about this world, that God is working for, for his good and for his glory is the incarnation itself, the birth of Jesus Christ. God himself became like one of us. He took on human flesh and was born into this world in order to redeem this world. Jesus' birth 2,000 years ago is proof that he does care about us and that God chooses to invade human history in order to set things right and in order to accomplish his purposes and to fulfill his promises. In a very similar way, in, in the Exodus story, God heard the cries of his people, it says in the beginning of Exodus, and decided to do something about it. Right? He didn't leave them to be slaves forever in Egypt, but he rescued them and redeemed them uh, by, by sending Moses and accomplishing his will through him. See, God is not a disinterested observer. He's not this old man with a long beard sitting on a cloud somewhere neglecting his creation but he's intimately involved here and now in this world. And so when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating God breaking through into human history to set things right. Reminded of Genesis 50:20, one of the, I think, greatest verses in all of Scripture. Joseph, at the end of his long journey of being abandoned and abused by his family and sold into slavery and thrown into jail for no reason and forgotten about, Joseph finds himself the second in charge of all of Egypt. And as his family comes and and is stricken by famine and the whole region of it is stricken by famine, and his own brothers who had sold him into slavery were there begging for food, not even realizing who Joseph was. Uh, Joseph reveals himself to him and said, in Genesis 50:20, you intended these things for evil, but God intended it for good, for the saving of many lives. I think that's, that verse just sums up how God works in this world. He allows things to happen, things that he doesn't intend or doesn't want us to experience, but he does so that he can work in and through them to accomplish his will and to bring about our good. See, God can bring good out of evil, and the cross is the perfect example of that. The death of his very own son, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, by all outward appearances, was the most evil thing that could happen. It seemed like God, the Son of God, the Messiah, had been defeated, had experienced death on the cross and suffering in a way that, that, that someone innocent like him should never experience. And yet it was through that moment and through that very event that God accomplished his purposes, and that is the redemption of his people and his creation. It was through seeming defeat that God accomplished his greatest victory. And so God can bring good out of evil because he is in charge of history. And so we we reflect on those events that took place 2,000 years ago, but we also have this hope of Christ's return, looking forward to the day when he will fully and completely make everything right in this world. And we can have confidence because God is a holy and just God. He does not delight in suffering or excuse wrongdoing. He will set things right. 
like a good and righteous judge who, who makes righteous and good decisions, God will come and, and judge the world and set things right. And that's a hope that we can have in him. He will redeem things and he will uh, set wrongs right. And that brings us to the second point is that judgment is scary. Judgment is a terrifying thing. But God has prepared a way for us through Jesus. You see, as we reflect on the words of Jesus in Luke 21 and look at other passages that describe the day of the Lord and the coming of our, of our Savior, when he will set things right, they can be kind of intimidating. They can be scary. We can look at those things and think, who wants to actually look forward to that day? But again, that's looking at things from a worldly perspective. That's looking at the world around us and thinking that we have no hope. But God has provided a way for us through Jesus and through Christ. And it's, and it's not based on our own merits. It's not based on any hope we have in and of ourselves. But it's the hope of the righteousness that comes in Christ. Paul writes about this righteousness in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, Paul has been talking about his merits as an apostle, right? If anybody had anything to, to stand on, it was Paul. He had all everything going for him. Uh, and, he, and he goes on to describe that. He says in verse 4, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. In other words, he had it all together. If anyone could earn their salvation, if anyone could earn God's love, it was him. And then in verse 7, he says, But whatever gains, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and in the participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul's hope and our hope is not in ourselves, but it's in Christ and what he's done for us. And it's about being in Christ. That's a favorite term of Paul's. And, it, and to be in Christ means to be clothed in him and to, to stand in him. And in other words, when God comes to judge the world and when he comes and we stand before him, it's not our good works, it's not our bad works that God sees. It's Jesus' righteousness. And that's our hope. It's not, it's like that saying goes, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right? And that's what it comes down to in Christ. It's, it's not about us, but it's about Christ has done for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 describes that exchange. He, the one who knew no sin took our sin upon his shoulders so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's that great exchange that took place. That's, what, that's the hope that we have at Christmas is that God himself broke into human history, redeemed his people through his righteousness and his obedience, and, it's, and, and we no longer have to save ourselves. The good promise that Jeremiah talks about in 33 is just that. It's fulfilled in the Messiah. It's fulfilled in Jesus and not us. We receive the benefits of his obedience because we are in Christ. And it's in, there's an interesting exchange here. And, and there's two passages that are very similar. And, and I, I encourage you to take a look at them if you have the chance to. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6, as well as this 
passage here from Jeremiah 33 that you just had read for you. They're very similar passages in a lot of ways, but there's one difference. In Jeremiah 23, that phrase, the Lord, our righteous Savior, is used to describe the Messiah. In Jeremiah 33, it says it's used to describe Jerusalem. In other words, God's people. And it's interesting. It's something I didn't notice at first, but as I, as I looked at this passage, I realized why, why would God's people be described as the Lord, our righteous Savior? And the reason I believe that, that Jeremiah makes that switch between those two passages is because as we put our faith in Christ, as we are in Christ, we, his people, begin to look more and more like him. And again, it's not, we're not the ones doing the saving. It's all him. But as we put our trust in him, as we become in Christ more and more, we begin to look more and more like him. And even in that, the focus and the, and the, the direction of our praise is still towards the Lord, who is our righteous Savior. And finally, the, the last point here uh, is that we are called to then keep watch without losing sight of the present. As I mentioned already, there's several passages in Scripture that talk about the day of the Lord, the when, when Christ will return. And, and their purpose in each and every one of them is not, again, to predict some date in the future or to try to describe events that we maybe aren't uh, so, so sure how they're going to come to pass. But the purpose each and every time is to encourage us to live holy and righteous lives now. The reason we look forward to Christ's return is because it encourages us and strengthens us to live for Christ today. One of the most famous passages in the New Testament, thinking of Christ's return, is 1 Thessalonians 5. And in verse 11, at the end of this section on the day of the Lord, that talks about all of his people being caught up together and, 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 and witnessing Christ's return to this earth, it says, therefore, encourage one another with these words, as you are already doing. In other words, yes, it's good to think about Christ's return. In fact, it's, it's a good thing to do to reflect on that. But when you do, it's all about encouraging and strengthening us for today. And in, in Titus chapter 2, this is spelled out for us more clearly. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Paul writes to Titus, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for this blessed hope, the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Notice that we look forward to the coming of Christ by saying no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and living self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. That's what it means to wait and hope for the Lord. That's the hope we have in a broken world, is that we can look forward to Christ's return. And we, when we do so, we're living out our lives today in anticipation of what he will be doing. Right? When we live upright and righteous and godly lives, we're, we're proclaiming to the world what Christ's kingdom is all about. We're proclaiming to the world what it looks like to live in Christ. Again, not a righteousness of our own, but pointing to the righteousness that comes from Christ. And in doing so, it's a witness for this world. Jesus here in this passage mentions signs, things that point to the reality of the world. And in just a moment, we're going to share probably the the greatest sign we have as Christians, and that is communion, sharing the Lord's Supper. It's a sign that points us to the reality of, of Christ's birth, his life and his death and his resurrection that took place. And it also points us to the future and gives us hope and encourages us to live now in anticipation of that coming kingdom. 
And so as we prepare our hearts and minds for the Lord's Supper, it, it reminds us and points us toward Christ, both his advent 2,000 years ago and his advent that is still to come. And so let's, let's prepare our hearts and minds with that. Let's pray together and we will sing. Father, thank you that you have not left us to our own devices, but that through Christ you have given us hope. And so help us, Lord, to hold on to that hope in a, such a way that brings, um, that points people towards you. And so let's, uh, and Lord, I pray as we prepare our hearts for that, uh, you would encourage us and strengthen us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I encourage you to stand if you're able and turn to number 127. Thou didst leave thy throne. Let's sing. Sorry, I'm trying to turn to it. Let's sing the, the first verse of number 127. Thou didst leave thy throne. take communion today, we're reminded that Christ did leave his throne, that he in glory decided to step down from that, not to take that to his own advantage, but to step down and become like one of us in order to redeem us and to save us. And so this bread is a reminder of Christ's broken body on the cross that was broken for you and for me so that our sins could be forgiven. And this blood, this, this juice is a reminder of Christ's blood that was shed for us on the cross Jesus said that he made a new covenant in that blood so that our sins could be forgiven. So as we eat this bread and we take this juice, we're reminded of that reality. And we're also reminded of the reality of the kingdom to come. When one day we will sit around the heavenly throne and praise God. When we will celebrate the wedding supper of the Lamb and enjoy God's glory in all of its fullness. And so as we take this communion, as we, as we take these elements together this morning, we're reminded of our need for our Savior. Because none of that would be possible. None of that would be available to us if it weren't for Christ. And so I encourage you now as we, as we prepare our hearts and prepare our minds to reflect on, on those ways that we have fallen short. Our need for a Savior. Those, the sin in our lives that, that had created a barrier between us and God. And as you do so, also thank God and praise Him that through Christ that barrier has been removed. Through Christ, our sins have been forgiven and that we do have that hope that these elements point to. So let's pray and then we will share communion together. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that through Christ, our sins have been forgiven and we have the hope of eternal life to strengthen us. I pray as we receive these elements today that you would, uh, your spirit would work in us um, to convict us to repentance and to turn towards you. We pray these things in Christ's name. 
Amen. Paul said, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup of, and said, This is the cup of the new covenant. In my blood, whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all who have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Messiah, I invite you to take these, sac- these elements, the sacrament to your comfort. body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
Christ, which was shed for you, so that our sins could be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this reminder of your body broken and blood shed for us, so that our sins could be forgiven. We ask that you would now strengthen us by your spirit to live in response to the love and the grace that you've offered freely to us and live lives that are holy and pleasing to you. Uh, We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face towards you. May the Lord look upon you and give you peace. Amen.